today comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say unto you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown out into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say it to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again you have heard that it is said, to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, or you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. May God add wisdom to the reading of the word. Our text today, again, is continuing the Sermon on the Mount uh, that we've been looking at uh, over the last few weeks. And Jesus in our text today kind of gets down to some nitty-gritty, gets into some some details looking at a few of the laws of Moses and talking about them. And in our text last week, Jesus said, I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And a lot of people look at that and they think, well, maybe that, maybe what he meant by that is through his death and resurrection, he fulfills the law. And certainly that, that may be true. But I wonder if there's something going on here in that Jesus looks at it and thinks that that really what Jesus wants to do is encourage us to not live out the letter of the law, but live out the real intentionality of the law, and in that way really fulfilling the, 
the real intention of what the law was supposed to do. Jesus also uh, had said that, um, the, that we were to be more righteous than the Pharisees, that our righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And I get the feeling that Jesus is trying to encourage us to go beyond just what the list of rules say and look for a deeper meaning and look to the, the real intent of the law. And then Jesus begins to talk about so, a, few, uh, a few examples of this. For example, take murder, which I think everyone agrees murder is a pretty bad thing. I, it seems a little silly that we even have to write that down. You shouldn't murder, really. Uh, but they did. They wrote it down. You shouldn't murder. And, uh, you know, that's pretty easy for most of us to avoid that. But there's a lot that goes on long before murder ever comes into the picture. There's a lot that happens that, that murders the soul, that tears apart our relationships with other people, and that, that allows anger and resentment to seethe and fester until we're carrying this weight of of ugliness around with us and it's directed toward someone out there. I always marvel. I don't, want, I don't marvel, but it always breaks my heart when I, I see families that haven't spoken to each other. I have a... I shouldn't, I shouldn't point this out. I have a, don't say this. Don't say this to my family, but I have a brother-in-law who has not spoken to half of his family for 20 years. And he doesn't even, I don't even know that he remembers why. <laughs> but, but he hasn't spoken to half of them because of something that he was angry about. And that caused them to separate and to not, and he carries that anger around with him today. And, and people who have parted ways uh, after a long marriage, Someone they used to love and the, the awful, mean-spirited, angry things that often transpose. And I know those things are complicated, but it breaks my heart to see such anger and bitterness. And I think Jesus is saying, look, murdering is, there's a lot that happens before you ever get to murder that really causes a lot of problems. And what God's intention for us is not just not to murder, <laughs> but goes a little deeper than that. And then Jesus talks about adultery. And here again, there's a lot that happens long before you end up in a seedy motel somewhere. A lot of things take place leading up to that. And I don't think it's God's intention for all those things that lead up to that point to be okay. <laughs> and just adultery to be the thing that's forbidden. But, but it really starts with that sense of coveting a sense of looking somewhere else for something else. And it begins that, that looking with lust and objectifying the people around us. And I mean, there's a lot of ugliness that plays into. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of places where we should stop and address what's really going on inside of ourselves and in our relationships long before it ever falls into the category of adultery by what the letter of the law says. And I think Jesus says you need to pay attention 
a lot long, a lot long time before uh, to avoid those pitfalls and to really get at the heart of what Jesus intended or what God intended uh, with that law. And then a similar thing with divorce, and it, you know. The, the world's a different place now. In, in Jesus' day, the whole uh, framework of society was structured around what was called the paterfamilia. That is, the family structure was the societal structure. And the only way women had any standing in the community was if they were attached to a man of some sort. Either a son or a father or a husband. And you know how divorce worked in Jesus' day? It worked like this. The man said, get out. And then he would, he would write it on a paper. Get out. Signed, your ex-husband. And send her on her way. No, no money. No standing in the community. No place to go. It didn't matter. And I think Jesus, when he, when he approaches this, says, Oh, sure, it's legal to do that. Go ahead. It's legal by Moses' law to write out a slip that says, We're divorced. Get out. But that isn't really what that relationship and that covenant, that does not honor that covenant in any way, shape, or form. And you have, we have a responsibility as, as human beings and society to honor those vows and that covenant as best we can and to make provision and to be just and right. And finally, this notion of taking oaths. Sure, there's a technical way you can take oaths and, and, and still be, be right. It doesn't, just because you haven't placed your hand on a Bible and raised your raised your hand up and said, I promise to tell the truth, doesn't mean you shouldn't tell, you should lie the rest of the time. <laughs> Jesus says, if you're just an honest person, then taking an oath or not taking an oath doesn't especially matter. And people will trust you because they've experienced your integrity when your yes is yes and your no is no. See, I know, I know that our world would love it. Uh, within, within the context of religion, our world loves it when we just come up with a big list of do's and don'ts. That makes it so easy. Because then all i got to do is do the do's and, and not do the don'ts. Right? That would be so easy. And yet I, I know sometimes you wish, Pastor Curtis, just tell me what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. And, and I'll take it from there, and either I'll ignore you or I'll do what you tell me to, right? Uh, but that's what you would like, I know. So, uh, it's so much easier when we just have this list of rules. But Jesus is telling us today that that is not what it is about. There is so much more to our faith than just making sure we don't go outside the bounds and just making sure that we follow the letter of the law Jesus says the law was really there to point us to a deep and abiding relationship with God. And that law that Moses wrote down was really there to help us discover within ourselves the kingdom of God that Jesus came and proclaimed to be near. And 
It's not about following the rules, but it is about getting into that deep sense of relationship. And all of those rules really have to do with one of two things. They either have to do with our relationship with God and how we manage that, or our relationship with each other and how we manage that. And what what Jesus desires for us above everything else is that, that those two relationships be good and God-honoring. And when we pay attention to those relationships, both the relationship we have with God and the relationship we have with each other, the kingdom of God is among us. Amen? Uh, doing a big long list of rules really doesn't work. This, this state is famous for this. Trying to legislate morality. Trying to make a list of rules that everyone is supposed to follow so that even, in our, even if in our heart of hearts we're not doing anything great, but at least we're, we're looking good, right? Looks like we're moral, <laughs> right? But is that real morality? I think if we looked closely at this state, we would discover, no, not really. That's not real morality, is it? That's just, that's just window dressing. And certainly, you know, certainly when Lincoln freed the slaves, that did not do, uh, that did not do a lot to change the lot of African Americans in our, we still have to stand up and shout Black Lives Matter in 2017, even hundreds of years after laws were passed that said uh, a black man is just as important as a white man and women. And so making a list of rules and making laws that we're supposed to abide doesn't really change the heart. What does transform the heart is to allow that Holy Spirit to show us compassion and to help us to see the other person in our midst as, uh, as something worth uh, knowing and getting to know and understanding. When we start to take whatever bitterness and anger we have towards someone and we transform that into how can I understand what is going on within us. Right? Something is not right between me and this person or this kind of person. Dare, dare I say, we address our own prejudice and bias and we say, how can I understand that person? And understanding breeds that compassion. That's what works. And what works is when we prioritize those things and we don't try to run away from our relationships and the hard difficult choices we have to make in those relationships but that we face whatever is causing our problems in that and we say I love you you love me we need to work this out one way or the other and do it with honor and integrity and not just try to hide and pretend nothing's going on and not just try to run away and not escape through some kind of fantasy, but to really honor each other by saying, this relationship is so important, I'm willing to be honest about how I'm feeling, and I'm willing to make it work. And we need to 
uh, uh, really, again, let our yes be yes and our no be no. And honor our promises and our commitments to one another. And being, uh, being fair and equitable in how we deal with each other. At the heart of what Jesus is talking about in this passage has to do with how do we build the kingdom of God and we build the kingdom of God through attending to how we are relating to one another and how we are relating to God. That's really how it happens. One person, one relationship, one day at a time. Amen? By honoring each other and honoring that relationship we have with each other and approaching it with compassion, with honesty, and with integrity, the world will know what the kingdom of God looks like every time they look at you and the relationships you have with other people. And, you know, I know it's hard. There's been many times I wish I could not speak to people for years and years. (laughs) But my faith compels me to treat people differently. And it's only by the work of the Holy Spirit that I'm able to do that. Amen? It's only through the strength that God gives me that I can open up my eyes and look and seek compassion, integrity, and honor in those relationships. So my faith, my prayer for us today is that we are able to tap into that Holy Spirit when we are dealing with each other. And through that, the kingdom of God will be known to the world around us. Let us pray. Great and loving God, the God who who is trying so hard to show us what the world can look like. Uh, We thank you. Even though we struggle and wish that it was just about being within the boundaries or without the boundaries and having a list of rules, even though we wish it was that easy, we know that, that life in the kingdom of God is complicated and difficult and deep and is really about attitude and approach and about relationship. Our relationship with you and our relationship with each other. Help us to take these things seriously and work at them. We ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.